This episode was recorded a day before the news broke about the untimely death of Matthew Perry. In his iconic role as Chandler Bing, Matthew Perry became a household name and a source of endless laughter. His impeccable comic timing, razor-sharp humour, and the ability to turn a simple line into a punchline made him a standout in the world of television. Matthew Perry's philanthropic efforts and advocacy for those struggling with addiction and mental health issues have left a lasting mark on the world. His honesty about his own battles and his commitment to helping others inspired countless individuals to seek the help and support that they needed. His legacy lives on, not only in the timeless episodes of Friends, but in the hearts of those he touched with his work and his dedication to making the world a better place. Thank you for the many years in which you made us laugh. Myself and Beth debated whether to put the episode out but deciding that doing so would be our personal tribute to a man who brought us so much joy. We hope you enjoy it. Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jimmy. And we're the Talk to the Hand podcast. Hello, Beth. Hi, Jimmy. We've been away for a couple of weeks, haven't we? We have. It's been so, so busy and I've been really looking forward to getting back into the podcast. Yes, I know. I've missed them. And we've got an absolute banger to kick off with, haven't we? I think our listeners are going to love this. And I think our podcasters are going to love this too. Yeah. So today, Beth, we're going to do a joint episode and we're going to cover the amazing story of the television show... Friends! We've got, we've got friends on the way. Really looking forward to getting into this one. We've recently rewatched it. Yeah, and that's been lovely, hasn't it? Rewatching it right from the beginning. I Even now on Facebook, I always see those posts about, oh, I wish I could watch Friends again for the first time. Just that feeling when you don't know what's going to happen. And we know a couple of people that have uh, had that experience recently, don't we? We do, we do. So our children have just been re-watching, or not re-watching, our children have just been watching Friends for the first time, absolutely consumed by the show, really, really enjoying it constantly. Who's your favourite character? Who's your favourite character? (laughs) So we'll start off with our, our episode on Friends. So for now... Rewind to the 90s. Kevin Bright, Marta Kaufman and David Crane created Friends at a low point in their careers. A sitcom that they'd written called Family Album had just been cancelled by CBS and their future seemed very uncertain. They pondered that the feeling of uncertainty was a familiar one for many people in their 20s and out of that feeling came a seven-page pitch in December of 1993 for a show then called Insomnia Café. NBC brought the idea, but as Kaufman and Crane began to write the pilot script for a show now titled Friends Like Us, NBC liked the pilot script and ordered up the series, now with yet another title, Six of One. Suddenly, NBC began to get nervous. Executives now worried that the coffee house setting was too hip and wanted the show in a diner like Seinfeld. And NBC also thought the cast was too young. The network pushed for an older character who could give sage advice to the kids. They were going to have a cop as a friendly mentor to the group, and that idea was ditched, as was the early idea for a love story between... Joey and Monica. Oh my god, no, no, that wouldn't work. No, and I guess at the time the the characters hadn't been developed, but as they did develop, Mm. no. (laughs) Could you imagine with Joey's messiness and Monica's insane addiction to cleaning? So they had the format for the show, which was now called Friends. What they didn't have was a cast, and they only had eight weeks to get one. That's not long, is it, at all? It's not. 
Courtney Bass Cox was born in 1964 in Birmingham, Alabama to parents Richard and Courtney. Her parents divorced in 1974 and her mother then married businessman Hunter Copeland, who was uncle to music promoter and business manager Ian Copeland and the drummer of The Police, Stuart Copeland. Cox worked at a video game publisher in the 1980s before featuring in the 1984 music video for Bruce Springsteen's Dancing in the Dark. Her early television work includes a starring role as Gloria Denalo in the short-lived NBC science fiction fantasy series Misfits of Science and a guest starring role in various comedy dramas including the ABC series The Love Boat and the CBS crime drama series Murder, She Wrote. She later had a recurring role as Lauren Miller, the girlfriend of Michael J. Fox's character in the NBC comedy series Family Ties. Cox's early film roles include Masters of the Universe, Cocoon the Return, I'll Be Home for Christmas. She also played Jewel Jagger, the tough-as-nails assistant of Larry Burroughs in Mr. Destiny. In 1993, she co-starred in a short-lived CBS sitcom The Trouble with Larry, alongside Bronson Pinchot and Perry King. The following year, Cox starred alongside Jim Carrey in the comedy film Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, and as Jerry Seinfeld's girlfriend Meryl in the Seinfeld episode The Wife. Cox then took an audition for a new sitcom called Friends. She originally auditioned to be Rachel Green. However, she didn't like the part at all and was highly attracted towards the character Monica Geller because of that strong personality the character had. The creators of the show were planning to cast another actor in Monica's role, but Courtney Cox did so well in her audition that depicted the perfect portrayal of Monica that the creators had to cast her as the now-beloved character. Friends now had their first cast member, Monica. Matthew Stephen LeBlanc was born 25th of July 1967 in Newton, Massachusetts. His mother Patricia was an office manager and his father, Paul LeBlanc, was a mechanic. Matt attended Newton North High School where he graduated in the same year as future comedian Louis C.K. After high school, he attended college in Wentworth Institute of Technology in Boston. He dropped out shortly after his second semester. LeBlanc moved to New York at the age of 17 to pursue a career in modelling but he was told he was too short to be in the industry. His acting career began after a woman invited him to accompany her to an audition where he ended up getting signed by her manager. Reportedly, down to the last $11 in his pocket, Matt got a call to audition for Friends. The actor had to go through the total of four or five audition steps before getting his part. He had to audition with Courtney Cox as the showrunners wanted to see how the two actors would work together on screen. The role was meant to be straighter than it eventually became, but Matt LeBlanc's take on the character, being not the brightest, was a twist that the producers liked. Friends had their Joey. David Lawrence Schwimmer was born on November 2nd, 1966, to Jewish attorneys Arthur and Ali. He had his first acting experience at 10 years old when he was cast as the fairy godmother in a Jewish version of Cinderella. For his mother's career, the family moved to Beverly Hills. In 1984, Schwimmer graduated from Beverly Hills High and wanted to go straight into acting, but his parents insisted he go to college first so he would have something to fall back on. Schwimmer enrolled in Northern Western University and studied theatre. After graduating in 1988 with a Bachelor of Arts degree in theatre and speech, Schwimmer co-founded the Looking Glass Theatre Company before returning to Los Angeles to pursue an acting career. After his supporting role debut in the ABC television movie A Deadly Silence in 1989, Schwimmer followed this with roles on the legal drama LA Law in 1992 and the comedy drama series The Wonder Years. He made his feature film debut in Flight of the Intruder in 91. 
and had a recurring role as a lawyer turned vigilante in NYPD Blue before auditioning unsuccessfully for a series pilot called Couples. He landed his first regular series role as the liberal son of a conservative talk show host in the sitcom Monty. The failed audition he had for Couples turned out to be a significant moment in his career. It was written by the writers who went on to create Friends and Ross was the only character that they wrote specifically with an actor in mind. And that actor was David Schwimmer. He originally turned them down though, or else he would have been the first cast member to join. And the reason he turned it down was because the sitcom Monty that he, he did alongside Henry Winkler, that wasn't a big success, but something changed his mind and Friends now had its loss. Wow, so it could have been so different, couldn't it? It could, and to think he was the only character that they wrote specifically for an actor, mm. and that actor turned it down, and he would have been the first member to be cast, obviously. If he hadn't turned it down. So if he was... hadn't turned it down, so... He turned it down, they went and got their moniker, they went and got their Joey, and then he came back and said, yes, he'd do it. Yeah. Lisa Valerie Kudrow was born on July the 30th, 1963, in the Encino neighbourhood of Los Angeles to parents Nedra and Lee, a doctor who specialised in treating headaches. Kudrow attended Portola Middle School in the Tarzana neighbourhood of Los Angeles. He graduated from Taft High School in the Woodland Hills neighbourhood which was attended at the same time by rappers Ice Cube and Eazy-E and actress Robin Wright. That's interesting. I didn't realise she'd gone to the same school as Ice Cube and Eazy-E. Yeah. So she could have been a member of NWA. <laughs> she could have been. <laughs> and Robin Wright, that was um, the lady who played Kevin Spacey's wife, yeah. wife in House of Cards. Yes. Oh, wow. And Quite a successful in... school, though. She was, it was, yeah. Uh, she received her BA in biology. Sorry, we're going back to Lisa. No. Not, not Robin Wright, Okay. <laughs> She received her BA in biology from Vasco College in New York, intending to become an expert on headaches like her father. While breaking into acting, she worked for her father for eight years and earned a research credit on his study on the comparative likelihood of left-handed individuals developing cluster headaches. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. So she would have gone a completely different direction. And it does sound like she was already making strides in that other career because... As you say, she was credited in the, on that early work. Yes, and following in her father's footsteps. Kudrow began her comedic career as a member of the Groundlings, an improv and sketch comedy school in Los Angeles. She joined with Conan O'Brien and director Tim Hillman in the short-lived improv movie Unexpected Company. She was also the only regular female member of the Transformers comedy troupe. She played a role in an episode of the NBC sitcom Cheers, she had a recurring role as Kathy in the series Bob in 92-93. She appeared in a couple of pilots before being cast as Roz Doyle in Fraser. But the role was recast during the taping of the pilot episode. Her first recurring television role was Ursula Bethel, the eccentric waitress in the NBC sitcom Mad About You. Hang on, it's, hang on. Yeah, yeah. Let me finish! The sitcom was airing around the same time as Friends, so you might be starting to see how Phoebe's twin sister, Ursula, came about. So Ursula was in a different show? The character, yes. Oh, I never knew that. Ursula Buffet, yeah. Because she was in a different show and you said it was airing around the same time, Mm. I guess, to avoid the confusion between the the audiences of seeing Mm. a similar character turn up in a similar show, they made Phoebe a twin. Yeah. So Buffet would never have been her surname in Friends had it not been for this other show that was going yes. on. Yeah. Wow. In any case, Friends now had their Phoebe. 
Matthew Langford Perry was born on August the 19th, 1969 in Williamstown, Massachusetts. His mother was a journalist and his father was an actor and former model. His parents divorced before his first birthday and his mother married broadcast journalist Keith Morrison. He was raised by his mother in Canada and while growing up he took a keen interest in tennis and became a top-ranked junior player. Did you know that? No, I did not know. No, no that's game set and match to me. <laughs> when he was 15, Perry moved to Los Angeles to pursue acting and attended the Buckley School in Sherman Oaks, graduating in 1987. After graduating, he took the role of Chaz Russell in the TV series Second Chance. After 13 episodes, Second Chance became Boys Will Be Boys, with the plots refocused on the adventures of Chaz and his friends. After the show's single season, Perry stayed in Los Angeles and made his screen debut in the 1988 film Night in the Life of Jimmy Reardon. In 1989, Perry made a guest appearance in Growing Pains, Sydney and Beverly Hills 90210. Perry landed his next TV starring role on the ABC sitcom Home Free, which only aired 11 episodes in the spring of 93, followed by a sitcom pilot he starred in titled LAX 2194. Catchy. He attempted to secure an audition for the pilot of Six of One, which was later to become known as Friends. However, due to previous commitments to the pilot LAX 2194, he was not initially considered for an audition. When he did eventually get a reading, he landed the part of Chandler Bing. He was the youngest of the main cast at age 24, and friends now had their Chandler. Chandler Bing! Uh, Bing-a-ling-a-ling! Jennifer Joanna Aniston was born on February the 11th, 1969, in the Sherman Oaks neighbourhood of Los Angeles to Greek-born actor John Aniston and actress Nancy Dow. Her family moved to New York City when she was a child and she was discouraged from watching television. Her parents divorced when she was nine. Having discovered acting at age 11 at the Rudolph School, Aniston enrolled in Manhattan's Ferrelli H. Lagarda High School of Music and Performing Arts, where she joined the school's drama society. Aniston first worked in off-Broadway productions such as For Dear Life and Dancing on Checkers Grave and supported herself with part-time jobs, including work as a telemarketer, waitress and a bike messenger. In 1988, she had an uncredited minor role in the critically panned sci-fi adventure film Mac and Me. The next year, she appeared on the Howard Stern Show as a spokesmodel for Nutrisystem and moved back to Los Angeles. Hang on a second. Mac and Me. Was, yeah. was that not the show Joey was in? Mac and Cheese. Isn't oh, that was Mac, Mac and cheese, cheese, was it? Yeah, that was Mac and Cheese. She obtained her first regular television role on Molloy in 1990 and appeared in Ferris Wheeler, a television adaptation of the 1986 film Ferry Abulia's Day Off. Both series were quickly cancelled. She starred as a teenager going to summer camp in the made-for-TV film Camp Cucamonga and as a spoiled daughter followed by a vengeful leprechaun in the horror film Leprechaun in 93. Entertainment Weekly identified Leprechaun as her worst role and Aniston herself has expressed embarrassment over it. It doesn't sound like the sort of thing after the podcast I'm going to be rushing off to go and watch. Okay, you sure? Spoiled daughter followed by a vengeful leprechaun? It sounds ridiculous. <laughs> Aniston also appeared in the two failed television comedy series The Edge and Muddling Through and guest starred in Quantum Leap. Depressed over her four unsuccessful television shows, Aniston approached Warren Littlefield at a Los Angeles gas station asking for reassurance 
As the head of NBC Entertainment, he encouraged her to continue acting and a few months later helped cast her in Friends. The producer wanted Aniston to audition for the role of Monica Geller, but Courtney Cox was deemed more suitable and Aniston was cast as Rachel Green. So not only was Courtney Cox going to be Rachel Green initially, mm. but the one who ended up playing Rachel Green was going to be Monica, Monica. initially. Wow. Yeah. Interestingly, Aniston had been in another show called Muddling Food. If it was picked up for a second season, Aniston would have been obligated to do that instead of Friends. Thankfully, it didn't get a second series and Friends now had their Rachel. The main cast was complete. So, yeah. if she was in another series, so they took a bit of a gamble there then, didn't they? Because they only had, I think we said, eight weeks to mm. recruit the cast. And during that eight weeks, they picked one of the characters who may not have been able to actually do it. Yeah. I wonder if any of the producers had any involvement in making sure that Madeline Fu didn't get caught for a second series. I think it would be more to do with viewers because at this time, if Madeline was through was successful, Friends hadn't even started yet, so it would have taken crazy. But I think the point is, she was contractually obligated anyway. Yeah. So it didn't yeah. matter whether it was successful or not. If they decided to go ahead with it, she had to do it and couldn't do Friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now that the cast were together, they had their first reading of the script in 1994, and it said that the chemistry between the characters was immediately obvious. Just as they were about to start shooting, NBC started to question whether the coffee house was the right environment. And you have to remember, Beth, this is long before the Starbucks and the Costa invasion. So it was seen as a little too trendy for what the show was supposed to portray. So they preferred the idea of having Central Perk as a diner. That would have been quite different to what it actually became. Yeah, but if you remember the very first episode, it is. It's got a pool table and it's a bar. Oh, I did because not remember Because then at that. the end of the first episode, when Ross has found out that his wife is a lesbian, they're there. They all meet up there, but Phoebe says, oh, this place is now turning into a coffee house. Oh, it's well, not going to be as good. It's interesting because the writers obviously felt very strongly that the coffee house was the right feature, and they stuck to their guns after the pilot, and the executives eventually gave way, but they had one non-negotiable request. The couch had to change from its original beige to the burnt orange couch that became so famous. And that, Beth, you sat on. I sat on, I did, I did. And you lay Upside on. Upside down. <laughs> yes. Upside down and also get seen on it. Yeah. Friends Fest, I'd recommend it to any Friends fan. It's amazing. The first season was shot during the summer of 94 in front of a live audience at Warner Brothers Studio in California. Yes, that's right. In fact, Friends was never once shot in New York. I did not know no. that. So all the show is set in New York, but it was never actually shot there. The audience were given little summary sheets with details of the characters so they could keep up with the goings-on. As would become standard throughout the time of Friends, each 22-minute episode took six hours to film. You wouldn't think that, though, watching it, would you? Six hours. You know when we were sat in the audience of A League of Their Own? Yeah. And we were there all afternoon for like an hour show. It was, it was long. Although it wasn't six hours and this was only half an hour. Yeah, that's true. It does seem a long time, but I guess they really wanted to craft something that they were they were proud of and they thought but they that, had perfected. That must mean loads must get cut as well, then. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Loads. And then you think of how many things they do wrong and they friends apparently had writers that were there changing things. And as their seasons went on, the cast members gained more control and started to have more say over what the characters would and wouldn't do. Mm. So they would start editing the scripts and stuff during the film of it. No, my character wouldn't say that. It would make watching it quite disjointed, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, but but it's like that's the magic of television, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 
So creators Marta Kaufman and David Crane had co-written the song that would go on to be the theme song of the show. It was later recorded by the Rembrandts to great chart success. Now this is fantastic. So the creators of Friends would have been taking a healthy cut for the show. But by co-writing the theme song, they increased how much they were getting. That song ended up being globally famous because of the show. So they would have made healthy royalties on that as well. Fair play. Friends was then given a prime time slot on Thursday nights and the magic began. The pilot was watched by 22 million viewers, but critics were mixed, with some warmly praising the show and others thinking it was too unrealistic and felt more like a furniture advertisement. Race was also an issue and that was something that came up throughout the show and again when the show was reviewed many, many years on. The all-white lead cast and majority white sub-lead characters was not representative of New York at the time. However, the show was getting bigger. The first season was repeated during the summer and millions of people who had heard about it but never watched it got in on the action. Friends became the number one TV show. Culturally, it was having an impact too. People started to look differently at coffee houses and of course there was the universal interest from girls everywhere who were telling hairdressers that they wanted a... <laughs> a Rachel. Yeah, everyone wanted a Rachel. Did everyone you, did. Did you ever get one? Sort of. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, it was the layers. All the Rachels was all about the layers. Yeah. And obviously, I got thick hair, so I always did have layers. So you could say I had a Rachel because it was the layers. You didn't have a Rachel. You had a. I did. A, a Rach. <laughs> Season two was huge, and the Ross and Rachel storyline really began to take shape. And uh, another milestone in series two, it had the first same sex marriage that was shown on a TV show. And looking back, I'm. I'm Kind of surprised that at that stage it was such a big deal, but it really was. 32 million people tuned into that episode. Mm. By the end of season two, the cast were no longer just popular. They were everywhere. They branched out and were started to make films, television adverts, and even a cheesy Microsoft Windows 95 promotional video. The show signed on to a new partnership with Diet Coke, one that was worth an incredible $30 million. It did include product placement, but it did was much more than that. There were all sorts of promotional activities, but possibly the most memorable was the who is going to drink the Diet Coke competition. The idea was that someone stole a Diet Coke from Monaco and Rachel's apartment. And during the show each week, there'd be an advert with one of the characters drinking the Diet Coke. And if the name under the bottle cap of the, of the Coke matched the character that drank the Coke, you won a prize. The big finale was on Super Bowl Sunday, and someone was going to win a trip to watch the taping of an episode. I don't remember that. No, I wonder if that was more of an American. Yeah. Obviously, Super Bowl Sunday is America, yes, and I guess yeah. I guess the competition was probably more based around then. But Super Bowl Sunday is the biggest night of television in the year for for America, mm-hmm. so it was absolutely huge for Friends to be on a part of that. So the episode had nearly sixty million viewers, but it looked like it had sold out. Although they kept delivering big numbers toward the end of season two, those numbers had dropped from what they previously enjoyed. There was a conscious decision for the show to step back from endorsements and more focus on avoiding the mass exposure the cast had been receiving. I think this is interesting because they obviously moved towards making the money and they started to make a lot of money through endorsements, but it started to affect the, at least the perceived credibility of the show. Mm. So they had to withdraw from that. And I think if you remember, the actors at the time were all starting to become big get involved in other pieces of television work and yeah. film work and, like, like you say, other projects. There's too much of a good thing at times. Yeah, you needed to get back to just making the show. Season three was when Friends really started to shine for me. We were on a break! <laughs> 19 pages! No, no, you've got to get the 
Rambled on. <laughs> the question is, Jimmy, were they on a break? They absolutely were on a break. See, I'm the woman, and I think they were on a break as well. They were on a break. It was a they bit. It was. It was. It was quite soon into the break. Yeah, but but who makes that rule? What's, what, what is the what is the acceptable time limit to go on a break? That they were on a break. See, was it a break where they were still uh, in a relationship and they were having a break? Or was it the end of the relationship? Her words were, I think we need a break. A break from us. And they were but, her but, words. But that's the thing. They were her words. But did she mean the end of the relationship or a time apart? Because depending on your answer to that, depends if it's an acceptable thing that Ross did or not. They were on a break. So if you're on a break, say you're going out You can see other people if you want to. Oh, can you? If it comes around. If you're on a break. So maybe, maybe... A break feels no, more temporary. Yeah, but the thing why, is... Why am I arguing for the I woman's know, side and I you're know, arguing I for know, the man's? What it is, my thinking here is, if you're on a break, okay, means the fact that you, you still like each other, but maybe this isn't working, so have a break from each other. Now, in that break, if you were to have a one-night stand... With, with a photocopy of girl. With a photocopy of girl. If you were to do that, then I think you were on the break. He's not cheating on her because they were on a break. They Within that break, they might see other people. She could not get on her high horse, from my point of view. And listen, get me, listen. If she had outlined, and I know this is unrealistic, but if she was like, oh, we were on a break, all right, so we're not seeing any other people. If she had specified that, and then he went and said to someone else. See, that's this is enough. really weird because for I know, 20-something I know. years, I've totally been... Full on, they were on a break. But right now I'm sitting here and I can't believe I'm sitting here thinking... You're, you're siding with Rachel? I don't know. I, but I'm shocked that I'm She's not... Being... a bit sorry for us. But the thing is, right, let's put this a slightly different way. Mm. I think it's time to take a break. They go off. Rachel sleeps with someone that night. Is Ross okay with that? I don't think he is. But don't... Yeah, no, but don't you remember as well, at one point he rings... No, actually, I'm sure it's before... He sleeps with the copier guy. He rings the, the house and comes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the night before the copier girl. Rachel, he rings the apartment and Mark answers. So oh, he then yes. assumes, oh, well, it's okay, then you've got Mark round. And I have to say, I did have some sympathy for Ross in that situation. Yeah. Mark was all getting in there. Yeah, and... And, well, it turned out in the end that he really liked her, didn't he? But Rachel did say, no, I'm not ready. Because so... they split up. <laughs> Were they on a break? It's not the best idea, but I do think she could potentially have got over it. I think the thing is, is Ross needs to look at it as, does he see a future with Rachel? If he saw a serious future with Rachel at this point, he shouldn't have done it because it would clearly aggravate her. Mm -hmm. If he didn't see a serious future with her, then crack on. But, But sometimes, like, men just look so weak and he'd got drunk and he was weak. Wasn't he that night? Because when she when she phoned back mm-hmm. and was like wanted to get back with him, we he was so angry. happy. We caught angry. Or a bit both. Because Mark, as you said, answered the yeah. phone. So he'd assume. And would you not assume? I wouldn't like it. It was all a bit like I'm not a particularly jealous person, but I do have sympathy for Ross in that situation. Mark was. Is this about Mark? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! I don't believe. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I think we're. Kind of indecisive on whether they were. Well, it was because I just think Ross and Rachel should have got back together. I think she could have got past it. But you love a fairy tale. I do. 
So the cast had grown so close by this point that they were very much a team. Now, they were going to take their pay negotiations on as a team. During season one, they had earned $22,500 for each episode. So that's not bad for six hours' work. Mm -hmm. For season two, there had started to be some variance in what the cast members were being paid, with the highest amount being $40,000 per episode. But at this stage, not everyone was earning the same. No. So I, I think from memory, David Schwimmer was earning the higher end of it, but I'm oh, not yeah. sure who was earning less. No. Maybe because he'd started to boost out in his, in his movie career, maybe his... his uh, he could demand more. Perhaps. Yeah. The six friends agreed to all go to the producers and ask for the same payment from season three. Each requested $100,000 per episode with additional revenue shares. A deal was struck for four more seasons. And what was great about this is, you know, I just said to you, David Schwimmer was one of the ones earning the top. It was him and his agents that went to the others and said, let's negotiate together and say we all want the same. It's a nice blow, isn't it? it? Well, it was still a lot more, but I guess they were building up power. So in a sitcom like that, in the early days, you're effectively a puppet. If they want to drop the show, they're dropping the show. If they want to drop one of the characters, they're dropping one of the characters. By the six of them clubbing together, the TV yeah. network didn't have that ability anymore because they were like all for one and one for yeah. all. Yeah. So they were all equal parts. And this camaraderie really extended when they submitted themselves for awards so none of them would enter any awards for a leading character. Mm. They all stuck to supporting character awards so that none of them was the unique star at the yeah. top of the show. They were all six equals. And I think that was one of the things that made the show so powerful. Yeah. You had these six friends, but there wasn't really one that you thought... Taking all the limelight. Taking all the limelight. Like in a boy band where you have a lead singer. Absolutely. But these yeah. guys, everyone's got a different favourite character and... That kind of thing. It wasn't like you had one leading character and five supporting actors. Season four saw the group take the trip to the UK to capitalise on the huge popularity of the show. One massive moment was Ross saying the wrong name on the altar. That was such That's a good. big moment. Do you remember though? So Phoebe was pregnant, wouldn't, couldn't go to the wedding, yeah. and she tried to stop oh, yeah, where she, she, going she, she was going. Ha- she was having her brother's, brother's children. Tickets, yeah. Uh, tried to stop Rachel going. And then Rachel got there thinking, oh, I have to tell Ross. And then she got there and was like, I just have to say, congratulations. And she didn't th- She didn't tell Ross in the end. It was amazing when you think back, though, because that was a, a really important time of the show. And it seems quite obvious looking back now, but they went to the UK for that episode to capitalise on the success mm-hmm. of the show in this country. And yeah, so they brought in a new wife for Ross, yeah. one of Ross's many wives. They brought in just to cruise the show further in the UK. And isn't it right that the woman who played Emily, they didn't really get? She didn't really get on with the cast or the producers and they found her to not be particularly funny. And I guess if you look at it from two ways, one, she came in, they found her to be a little bit cold, a little bit lacking in humour. On the flip side, she's coming into a very established show. She was coming into an environment with six people plus the other actors and the people in the background who all knew each other, who all knew each other's way of working. And she is also from a different culture, to an extent. Well, certainly from an area, a culture with a slightly different sense of humour. So she just didn't fit. Now, do you remember the other massive moment in that that period in the UK? Monica and Chandler. We did. We did see the beginning of the relationship between Monica and Chandler. On the day of Ross's wedding, Ross barges into Chandler and Joey's room, announcing his, his excitement. And then just as he exits... Monica sits up, revealing that she and Chandler got together for the first time. 
The writers of the sitcom revealed in Friends the Reunion how the audience went mad during this unexpected scene, making it one of the loudest crowd reactions they ever had on the show. Because it was such a shock. It wasn't like the ongoing Ross and Rachel scenario. It was completely out of the blue. Yeah. Did not see see that that coming. No, not at all. So season five saw Ross and Rachel marry, but not like that. (laughs) They drunkenly tied the knot and couldn't remember it when they woke in the morning, which was the beginning of season six. But also in season five was Phoebe's amazing reaction to discovering Chandler and Monica were together. So they kept their relationship secrets all except Joey. And do you remember how pained Joey was to that? But then Phoebe and Rachel visited Ross's flat, which was adjacent to theirs, and Phoebe caught Chandler and Monica taking each other's clothes off. And what followed was Phoebe shouting the couple's names several times. And it was it was an iconic scene that will never not be funny. You have to say, oh, can I say, my eyes, my eyes, my eyes. (laughs) It was brilliant. It was brilliant. And this is what I mean. So all of the characters had their iconic scene moments, every single one of them. Another classic from season five was Chandler and Rachel helping Ross bring a new couch to his flat as he shouts, Pivot! 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 <laughs> he gets really, doesn't he? That, that was hilarious, trying to angle it up. It didn't pan out at the end, did it? <laughs> and then he takes it back to the show. Well, yeah. <laughs> but this couch is cut in half. Yes, it's cut in half. I don't want it. But it's cut in half. <laughs> Season 7 is the wedding of Chandler and Monica, but it also teases a pregnancy bombshell that Season 8 tells us is Rachel's. Joey also got a big crush on Rachel. In one episode, the one with the red sweater, Monica and Phoebe are at their wit's end figuring out who the father of Rachel's baby, and the red sweater was their only clue. At the end of the episode, before Ross leaves the room, he sees the sweater and says that he's been looking for it for the past month. This leaves Monica, Phoebe and Joey in shock as he leaves the room. That was a big moment. Yeah, that was a big moment as well. But hang on a minute. You glanced over the whole Chandler and Monica getting married. Why would you do that? What do I remember about it? Richard coming back and he was oh, like... Oh, that's one of your favourite scenes, isn't it? Oh my it? gosh. You go get her, Chandler. Chandler. And don't when you let get her, her go. No, when you get her, don't let her go. You love and that. He gives her the right. I love all that. That was lovely. Uh, yeah, was that the one where Richard had a video with? No, no, no. Oh, that was later on, was it? I'm jumping ahead on the seasons. <laughs> so season nine was Ross and Rachel living together, but to everyone's frustration, they got close, but not close enough to get back together. The season ends with Joey and Rachel having a smooch. That was a bit wrong. Mm-hmm. It's funny because our kids are, they must be quite pure because they didn't like that. No, but a lot of viewers didn't like it. Either. The actors didn't like it. Did they They not? didn't agree with the whole Joey and Rachel thing. Yeah, I have to say, I'm pleased it only lasted a little while. But it didn't really go very far, did it? No. They sort of <laughs> talked about it, but didn't actually... But don't worry, because Ross was fine with it. He was fine oh, with it. No, 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 no. He was fine. Do you remember that episode where he burnt his hands and... That's it, yeah. Oh, yeah. brilliant. He brought out the fajitas <laughs> with no um, oven gloves on. And then the, the, the microwave morning. thing oh. went off and he was like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> the margaritas. Ta-da. That was really awkward. And that's where you really saw that he definitely still had strong He's feelings for so yeah. The amazing final season tied the loop on a number of long-running storylines. Joey and Rachel agree that they should remain friends. Phoebe and Mike get married. Do you remember that? They yeah, got married in, so the in the snow outside, didn't they? Outside. And the dog also had to carry the smelly oh, dog Oh, yeah, because Chandler and Ross were arguing over yeah. who was going to be yeah. involved in the wedding and stuff. But, yeah. yeah, Ross ended up carrying the smelly, smelly dog, dog while Chandler gave Phoebe away. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was good. You like that, didn't you? It was sweet, but also because Joey first of all gets chosen to give her away, and then he <laughs> pretends to be the dad, and he's like, "What's your intentions, Mike?" And oh, well, you know, we're here for the kids, celebrating their wedding. <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> Monica and Chandler also adopted twins. Then <laughs> another one of my favorite quotes, but we won't keep quoting it there when they get the thing. But no, when he says. It's Chandler. He's not even really my favourite episode, but he's just got so... They're um, going for the adoption, and they've lied. The adoption person thinks that Monica's a reverend and Chandler's a doctor, and he says, I love my wife, and it breaks my heart that the one thing I can't give her is a child. You know, she's already a mother without a baby. But don't you think it's no, funny, not, though? Oh, You've got well, all of these different episodes and films that there's particular quotes that mean whether you like the film, like... We talked about Hugh Grant and, and yeah, Notting Hill. It was that one quote yeah. in, in, in the bookshop yeah. that suddenly made it all a good, yeah. a good film, even yeah. when it wasn't. Notting Hill was all right. It was all right, I suppose. Mm. Uh, yeah, I love all that. So Rachel was going to Paris to take a new job. After lots of genius manipulation, her and Ross share that they do still love each other. Ah. The series, and indeed the show, ended with all the friends leaving the empty apartment together for a final cup of coffee at Central Park. The show ends first with a shot of everyone's keys to Monica and Chandler's apartment left on the countertop, and then pans to a shot of the apartment's purple door. That's it. It was over, but wow. Who would have thought all these years later it's still as watchable as ever? It doesn't matter if you know the line that's coming. It, it, it's still funny. <laughs> When you have forgotten a line that is delivered, it feels like you've hit the jackpot. You know, you get that moment again. Mm-hmm. It's managed to maintain that legacy, hasn't it? It has, definitely. And like you say, we're enjoying it with the kids again. We're asking them, oh, who's more like Joey? Our, our son is Joey, though, completely Joey. He is, he is. And it's really worrying because he's <laughs> so young, he's going to get worse when he gets older. But he is, he's, he's got that Joey innocence yeah. and says what it's he thinks type thing. So, who would you say our daughter is like? Well, a bit of Monica and Phoebe. Yeah, definitely more on the Monica side. Monica she's, side she's, yeah. she's got the bossy element to her. Who would um, you think you're like? <laughs> well, no. Haven't we said Rachel and Phoebe? A mix of Rachel and Phoebe. Yeah. Okay. Well, I did work in a coffee shop in the 90s. Yeah, when you were about 12. Yeah. No, in the 90s when it was on. So, you know the, uh, the bit with the keys? Yes. It's so funny because people have commented over the years that they all had a key, and yet they never used the key. They never did use the key. Oh, do you remember? Unless when, until when they uh, went out. No, the Thanksgiving, Rachel was going to go skiing, and oh, they got no. locked out. That's the only time but, they used the key. Do you remember that other time when the phone rang, and all six of them were in the room? And they all just started looking at each <laughs> other, counting them. Who is this? Who we're all here. But I just, you know, I love all that. But even now, the show still makes a billion dollars per year. And if you remember the revenue share that the cast struck, do you remember the deal where they all went together? And, yes, and yeah. Got that? yeah. So they got a, a share of the revenue as part of that deal. So now, today, they're still earning $20 million a year off the back of that. Wow. So the fact that Netflix is showing it actually yeah. earned those cast members $20 million a year wow. or contributed towards the $20 million a year they still earn from Friends. Yeah. But after all of that, we had the reunion. Now, it was never going to unpick the secrets that made the show so successful, but it was, I found it to be very watchable. It was sweet, it was sad, it was funny, and I guess above all, it was nostalgic. It was. I do think it would have been nice for them to have done an actual episode. No, 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 no
You have to remember that. See, this we'll, we'll disagree on this because I think we've got an idealistic view on it. But you have to remember that even when they put the show together, it was about that uncertainty of life in your 20s. You know, before you know what your kind of how your career is going to pan out, pan out, before you know whether you're going to get married and have children or, or what path you're going to take in that area, it's that uncertainty that made the show. You lose that. I think, as they get older, because we lose it. Now, one of the things we've talked about in the past is that, that time that they had with their friends. Yeah. Chandler went off and, and with Monica and had the adopted twins. You had Phoebe, Mary and Mike. You had Ross and Rachel deciding that they love each other again. And Did she get off the plane? I got off the plane! <laughs> so, so with all of that, they've grown up. Mm. And if you remember how often you see your friends before I brought you into captivity... <laughs> you see them less when you mm. become a family and when you start yeah. getting older so the whole concept around the only way I wonder if it could potentially work would be whether you just had a reunion one weekend somewhere yeah but would it be funny mm-hmm. I, I don't think it would be I, I think sometimes you're better off leaving these things alone did you ever watch the spin-off Joey because I remember I watching did. a couple of episodes, Ooh. but it, it just wasn't. But it would have been good if maybe some of the characters had popped no, in there. But no, 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 just no. I remember it. It, was, it wasn't good, was no, it? No, it wasn't good. The reunion marked the first time that the six actors had all been together publicly since the show ended, and they arrived one-on-one onto the recreated set, and they exchanged memories of the good old days when they'd ruled the world of television and you do see a, a glimpse of the genuine affection that they have mm. for each other. Yeah, yeah, they do. I think in a real shock, David Schwimmer told us of his hatred for Marcel the monkey. Yeah, I didn't know this at the time. Yeah. Oh. There was also another reveal that um, I think I seem to remember you getting a bit hung up on. Mm. He talked about crushing hard on Jen, who of course played Rachel. It was eventually reciprocated by Jen. Jennifer, Jen, now like we're friends. Jen, yeah. We've done an episode. Yeah, she might as well be part be of the family. Listening in, aren't they? So he fancied her, she fancied him, but it was all at different times and never when they were both single. So as he put it, that line was never crossed. Although Joey or Matt LeBlanc, who I thought was the real winner of that mm-hmm. reunion, mm-hmm. he coughed, bullshit. <laughs> and the audience loved that. We saw many of the supporting actors of the show, including the underrated Gunther, played by James Michael Tyler. He'd been diagnosed with prostate cancer in 2018, but did not publicly disclose the illness until June 2021, shortly after the release of the reunion. I remember that. He, yeah, so sad. He died of complications from the disease at his home in Los Angeles, California, on October the 24th, 2021, at the age of 59, which is like no age, is it? But he was on that reunion, wasn't he? He was. You have to look back, yeah, you have to look back. Looking back now, he didn't look well. No, no, he but, didn't. Yeah. He didn't. Uh, but it was nice to see, like, I remember Ross and Monica's parents. Do you know um, Ross and Monica's mum? She's 88 now. Really? Yeah, I don't remember her looking no. that old when she was on the reunion. Oh, no, no. And they that, came together, didn't they? They did. They, they did. Which I thought was a nice touch that as well. Was, yeah, it was. So the reunion had table reads of key scenes and they were beautifully reminiscent of the originals. Showmakers Marta Kaufman, David Crane and Kevin Bright were interviewed and it was a, a really fantastic moment of nostalgia. Mm. 
Friends is an institution that won't be forgotten. As we look back retrospectively, there are some negative aspects that refuse to be shaken off. The lack of characters of colour, the fat jokes, the homophobic and transphobic edges. I have to say, though, it was a period of time where we didn't have that, let's say, awareness that exists now. And I don't think you can really judge it on today's standards. No, I think things like the fat jokes were seen as jokes. I don't remember anyone who was overweight saying at the time that they were particularly offended by it. There was a very serious accusation, actually, in 2000, where a former writer's assistant had launched a lawsuit against Warner Brothers for racial discrimination and sexual harassment, and she, she claimed that sexually explicit talk made the Friends writer's room a hostile workplace. It has been validated and confirmed that the sex talk among the 14 writers working 12-hour days was pervasive. But the California Supreme Court would ultimately rule that talking about sex in the writer's room did not constitute harassment and that for an adult comedy that revolved around sexual themes, it was necessary for the creative process. Could you imagine that court case happening now? It would not have the same outcome. When was that? In 2000? Mm-hmm. Just, what, 23 years yeah. ago? And in that time since, there's absolutely no way that court... I mean, if you think of, for example, the Me Too movement... Mm. After something like that, you would never have that same finding at the end of that. But it did kind of establish a rule for the writer's room being, you know, an open house for discussion and nothing was off the table. However, despite all this, Friends still remains huge. Netflix taking on the show introduced it to a whole new audience, including our own children. They talk about it the same way that people used to back in the day, sitting in their bedrooms asking what character they think each other are most like. And as we wrap up this special episode of the iconic TV show, we're reminded of the enduring impact that this series has had on television and pop culture. It's not just a show. It's a timeless connection to a moment in our lives when we laughed, cried, and navigated the highs and lows of friendships right alongside Ross, Rachel, Chandler, Monica, Joey, and Phoebe. Friends managed to capture the essence of friendship in a way that resonates with audiences. Its brilliant ensemble cast, sharp writing, the genuine moments of heart made it a cultural phenomenon. While it may have ended, its influence continues to ripple through TV, inspiring countless other shows about the enduring bonds of friendship. So whether you're revisiting Central Perk for the hundredth time or diving into the world of Friends for the first, remember that this series is more than just a sitcom. It's a testament to the enduring power of connection, humour and the love that binds us together, just as it did for these six fictional friends for a decade. So we really hope you've enjoyed this journey through the world of friends. If you like this episode, please subscribe to our podcast. So, Beth, friends. Yes, and a question I have for you, Jimmy. Name one of your favourite episodes or parts of them. I love the conversation between Ross and Rachel after he fell asleep and he said, yes, but hadn't read the question and then he looked back. I, I definitely remember that as being a, a very funny moment. Character-wise, I probably think my favourite was Chandler. Yeah. Who was your favourite character? See, when I watched it, my favourite characters, watched it the first time, I should say, my favourite characters were sort of the girls, Ross. Sorry, the girls, Ross. <laughs> my favourite characters were the girls. Just because I could relate to them more. But watching it a second time, I just love Chandler. He's just so funny. And sarcasm I normally hate, but from Chandler it seems all right. It just works for Chandler. It is funny, though, when you look back at it, because when I first watched it back in the 90s, I wasn't that big on Ross. But having rewatched it again, his character is brilliant, his reactions, and he finds himself in situations that no other character there is going to find himself in. 
Oh, the leather, <laughs> leather pants. pants. That was it. The leather pants and, the, and Joey doing the put the talcum powder, powder on. Powder on. It. it didn't work, Joey. Okay, <laughs> he was off. So yeah, I think you definitely have a different appreciation, and maybe as you get older, there's different things that you look for and like. Do you know something we haven't talked about? All the special guests they had. Oh, they did have a lot, didn't Robin they? Robin Williams, Bruce Robin Willis, Williams, yeah. Brad Pitt, Bruce Willis, Brad Pitt, um, Danny DeVito, Danny oh, DeVito, that, oh Phoebe's um, Bachelor. I think that might have been my favourite special guest appearance. Uh, Danny yeah. DeVito, yeah, that was brilliant when he came in his Officer yeah, Good Body. Officer Good Body, yeah. that was brilliant. Julie Roberts, do you remember her as Susie? Susie, the one that Charlie was at school with. Ben Stiller. Yes. Oh, yeah. The, the shouty angry one. one. Shouting at the ducks. Bird. Oh, we haven't talked about the duck and the chick. No. That's so cute. And then in the last episode when they, they get caught in the football table and yeah. uh, Monica has to like break them free and she's like happy because she's happy to destroy the table. Mm. What was your favourite moment of Oh, I see. Too many, I think. See, that's unfair because you asked me I and know. I was thinking too many. No, I need an answer. One of the weddings. It's going to be soppy. I knew yeah, it was going to be soppy. it has to be one of the... Because all the other stuff, I just go with it because it is that escapism, you know, then with their jobs and life. I know, but I think it is going to be the weddings. No one ever knew what Charlie did. No. Oh, yeah, when they had to... When they... Um, transponder, trans... Trans... <laughs> no, that's not even a word. That was a brilliant <laughs> episode as well. And, and the way they... they Rolled into the room on that. Oh, the other dog. Yeah. yeah, that I've had my picture taken with the dog. Yeah, yeah that was brilliant. That yeah. was brilliant. And can you please keep the noise down in our apartment? <laughs> yeah, you're spoiling moving in, Dave. <laughs> it is amazing. It was amazing. Great show, guys. We really hope you've enjoyed the episode. We'd love to hear from you. What were your favourite moments? Who were your favourite characters? Did you enjoy the journey of Friends as much as we did? And if you've only watched them once, we urge you to go and watch them again. Definitely. It is a different experience the second time round. Thank you very much for joining us today. Really hope you've enjoyed the episode. And until next time, talk, talk to the hands. Hand.